The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. UCT's Vice-Chancellor, Professor Mamokheti Pakeng, will have the honor of becoming the University of Bristol's first Bristol illustrious visiting professor, this commencing on 20 October 2021. Over the year-long inaugural appointment, Professor Pakeng will engage with Bristol's academic community and participate in public lecture series. The professorship will comprise a mix of virtual and in-person activities where she will pay Bristol an extended visit to engage with her researchers' senior management team and wider community. For those who don't know, Bristol is rated among the top 10 universities in the United Kingdom and top five, moreover, for research. This new initiative continues Bristol's international collaboration program with academics abroad and sits within the International Research Partnership Portfolio. To tell us more about this is the lady herself, Me Pokeng, Deputy Mother for Students at the University <laughs> of Cape Town. Mama, how are you? I'm very well, Fongesa. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for joining us again. The last time we spoke, conditions were not nearly as positive as these. We were talking about how UCT is responding to COVID-19 and how you as a mother especially felt sorry for first-year students whose belief of what university first year would be like versus the reality of what 2020 proved to be is something Mm. that certainly pulled a heartstring or two from you. Just recap that conversation for us then and how UCT has moved on with the times. It's been a tough time, but we have survived 2020, and it's really kudos to our academic staff, uh, support staff, but most importantly also to our students who have weathered the storm. You know, the 2020 first years uh, who are doing second year this year haven't really tasted the full um, feeling of uh, the university and being in residence. And, I mean, my hope is that 2021, 2022 is different, so that at least in 2022, they do their final year, those who are doing three-year programs, uh, to experience the full uh, the situation of the university. So it's been tough, but our, our students have done very well, frankly speaking, under the, the circumstances. And yeah, so we, we also have investors who came in this year, who also came in the middle of, of it all. We, we have coped um, very well. We managed to finish 2020 academic year, and we started 2021. Yeah, so we, we, you know, the challenges come, but there's always lessons with them. There's always opportunities. We grab in them by both hands. Well, I suppose in the light of everything that you have said, the BIVP is the, really the cherry on top of the icing of a three-tiered cake with fillings in between. It is. No, definitely. It is, it is the icing on the cake. Indeed. Tell us more about this and how did it come about and the conversations leading up to what will eventually materialize from the 20th of October 2021? You know, the, uh, Bristol obviously looked around for scholars who they would like to invite for their illustrious fellowship. And um, so I got a letter in 2019. In 2019, I got the invitation, and um, it was a huge surprise. Of course, as you know, uh, Bristol um, uh, gave me an honorary degree in middle of 2019, 2019 I think June. And, and so this was a huge surprise, and I hadn't accepted yet, and the pandemic hit. So um, 
Uh, we picked up the conversation earlier, sometime earlier this year, about what's possible, how do I make it happen. I wouldn't have accepted in 2020 because I, I wouldn't want to leave the university, in a, 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 you know, start the fellowship mm-hmm. when in the middle of the pandemic and uh, with the university needing me um, my full attention then. So, so we picked up the conversation this year. And yeah, and, and it's really a huge honor. It's a, it's a recognition of UCT's strength um, as, an, as an academic institution and also what I bring not only to UCT but to the international community, uh, particularly in my discipline of mathematics education. I was nearly sarcastic and I mentioned about a particular academic who left to the UK, S-O-A-S, but I know <laughs> it would have been completely inappropriate. I'm glad you're laughing because um, it, it, it would have been inappropriate or even funny, though. Let, let's talk about what this truly might mean, though, beyond the name Pakeng, beyond the name of the executive management team at Bristol, who obviously have followed your work and progress and leadership even. Let's consider it from a north-south collaboration and the Mm. fact that UCT has continued to do as well as she has been doing over the years, that this truly is not necessarily a migration of any kind, but rather an entrenchment of, or affirmation, yes, affirmation of what it is that is happening in Cape Town. And actually, Mm. it is quite relevant to some of the issues that academia is grappling with in the north space. Mm. You know, it is an affirmation of the excellence at UCT. Uh, we, we of course, Bristol is one of our key collaborators. We have a joint um, a postgraduate program, a joint PhD program uh, in uh, poverty and inequality. And we, we bring a strong um, a, a contextual strength and knowledge base in that area. And we, my hope is that in the next two years, we'll see the first uh, graduates in this joint degree program where students will get um, a, a co-best degree. Uh, it's something that hasn't happened uh, before, but we, 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 we're doing it with Bristol. And, um, Undergrad, postgrad? No, postgrad, postgrad, mm-hmm. master's and doctorate. So, and it's funded by the alumni, alumni community of Bristol for um, students from here at UCT who register with UCT and they also register with Bristol. And they get a supervisor here and a supervisor there working together. They spend half the time in South Africa, half the time in in the UK, and they get a a, a, a degree at UCT and a degree at... um, Which disciplines? Also at Bristol. Uh, It's really in economics and in um, social policy, so, so, but focusing mainly on poverty and inequality. Do you have the email address for the applications there, Prof? <laughs> I'm pulling your leg. We will talk offline. We'll talk offline. I like we'll the social offline. policy perspective. But precisely yes. because of that, one can't always run away from one's past. And perhaps mm-hmm. South Africa, the United Kingdom, there's a past there that for the most part needs to be engaged and engaged deeply. Oh, absolutely. Now, what could at a political level even, might this herald, and again I stick on the point of North-South, I understand this is about research, this is advancing academia, Mm. but academia and politics are quite inseparable, really. How then do we, for instance, 
engage questions of the Commonwealth through this partnership? How do we engage questions of colonization through mm. this partnership? How do we engage questions of the diplomatic relations through mm. a partnership like this? Because, I mean, I know there's a diplomatic robe possibly brewing if this At red list thing doesn't change with the UK and our visa. So this is an opportunity if broadly engaged, could incorporate a lot of questions that lie between mm. South Africa and the United Kingdom, as opposed to Bristol and Cape Town. Mm. You know, wh one of the things that my work will bring to the fourth is the issue of coloniality, because my research looks at the relationship between language and mathematics, with specific focus on um, uh, students who learn mathematics in a language that's not their Yes, own. absolutely. Um, and, and of course, I, I, I begin from the analysis of um, uh, how colonization has shaped our language policies and our language practices, and, and how just that has shaped mathematics teaching and learning, and therefore what we get in terms of mathematics achievement of uh, children who learn mathematics in a language that's, that's not their own. And the issue, this issue of um, uh, 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 coloniality when it comes to language, it's not an issue that only affects South Africa. It, affect, it affects all the Commonwealth countries uh, that are grappling with, the, with, with their language policies and, and decisions about or, 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 or complexities that come with the hegemony of English across the world that sort of sometimes make um, a, a, a language policies of countries, they make mm -hmm. language policies of countries sound, become like a pass, like a chimera, like a false, a false choice. When, a, when a, a country like South Africa says, you have a choice, uh, parents have a choice which language their children should be taught in, but actually the, the hegemony of English in the space mm. makes that mm. choice false. Mm. And so, 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 what does it mean? And of course, the language, the language policy, higher education language policy, has now been uh, published, and it is not as as hardcore as the the language in education policy that affects schools, because it, it almost there's almost an understanding that you know that language of learning and teaching is going to be English or Afrikaans, even though it's not that explicit, mm -hmm. and it's almost like the other languages should be used as a way of um, uh, to show your commitment to transformation. Whereas in basic education, the, 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 the students, parents can choose which language they want their children to be taught in. And there's even a specification that if you have about 40 learners in a particular district wanting to learn in Isizulu, for example, they have a right to get that done, and they, they, it's the role of government to get them a teacher. So th those kind of conversations uh, are important. And, and, and my view is not, um, uh, from my analysis, the, the issue is not just to choose one or the other, is to, to do whatever choice you have, to do it without guilt. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, G-U-I-L-T as much as I mean G-I-L-T. So, so, so those conversations are going to be very much in, to the fore because they will ask the question, how much is uh, the colonization continuing even post-colonization? Yeah, you know, yeah, what yeah. forms of colonization are, are, are continuing? Because in many ways, we are still colonized. I have one um, more question, Prof. Yeah. Be because um, 
without taking away any of what you have said insofar as it relates to the questions you'll be posing to your contemporaries and colleagues and sort of your audience in the UK, mm. could that very audience not pose those very questions to you about how South Africa herself has engaged the language policy? UNISA, University of the Free State, Stellenbosch, the language question comes up all the time. The language mm. of instruction, not just in institutions of higher learning, but in, mm. even in your basic education spaces, is a reality. And the fact that when you talk about hegemons of language, hegemony of language, English being at the mm. very top of, at the expense of the majority African languages of South Africans who largely speak them, would it then not be said, or could it not be said by your colleagues, you are right, but that is question two. Question one is South Africa and South Africa first. What have you done? What are you engaging? How is your own country responding to this very question before you make it a north-south issue? Well, that would be the correct question to ask. And, and uh, I'm glad you're mentioning UNISA, Stellenbosch, UFS, because they, their battles are about Afrikaans. But, I mean, there's, there's, there's other battles that are not so seen, and we at UCT are making different choices. And I want to... I want to foreground what we do. You know, there's one thing that uh, journalists do not necessarily look at or analysts do not look at when it comes to language and language of learning and teaching. Mm. There, are, there are many universities who, who faced out African languages uh, from their departments, from their, from their curricula altogether because they felt that they are not generating enough income. So they face them out. They are not teaching them. So it's not all universities that, first of all, teach an African language. Mm-hmm. I mean, not teach in it, just teach it. Mm, okay? Mm, mm. Secondly, big difference. Big difference. I mean, the teach it no, no, is a, no, no, a, a lower threshold. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a lower threshold, but it's Very not important. every university that does it. It's not every university that does it. And then, when you look at the universities, the second layer is when universities do it, do they teach the African language in an African language? All right, that's the second question because there are many universities in this country who teach oh, yes. an African language in English. Yes, right? yes, yes. Now, that's a problem. Right. Now, let me tell you what we at UCT are doing. So, we teach two African languages is it Kosa and is Sesotho, right? And is it Kosa? You can major with it up to the final, you can take it as a major. And we teach African languages in African languages, we don't teach them in English. The world, the, this country, doesn't know that that many universities, we are ahead of them. Being here, being the top university on the continent. Here's the other thing. We are the only university that requires our engineering students, engineering um, uh, doctors, uh, um, MBCHP, Mm. um, actually all the students in the Faculty of Health Sciences, Mm. and the students who are studying to be teachers, they have to do an African language, right? To what level? Uh, They've got to do KOSA level one, but they are taught KOSA in KOSA, right? Mm. Mm. So um, the engineering students actually choose any language that's not their home language, okay? The idea is that they've got to learn another language that's not their own. The, in the Faculty of Health Sciences, they have to do ISCOSA because they do their practicals around here and they've got to be able to communicate. It's not a COSA major, but the idea is that they've got to be able to communicate with the people they serve. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that if you know 
one African language, you've broken the barrier of fear. Majorly, majorly. Exactly. You can learn the other one. So, so if you're a teacher or a, or a, or a, a, a doctor, you are definitely going to be working with the public, the poorest of the poor. It's important that you know at least one, the local language is closer. They have to pass that. One. You don't pass this course, you pass everything else, you don't, get you your don't degree. graduate. You don't get that, you don't become a doctor. That's this what it is. Will make say, okay, pro- this will make Professor Sacho smile where he is and may his soul rest in peace, one of the doyens of exactly. teaching of the Kosa language. Let's migrate yeah. the conversation again because right, I appreciate that conversation within the conversation, if you like, because these are some of the questions you are all too aware you will engage in the United Kingdom. Let's go back. Let's go back to the United Kingdom because you will be facing some gravitas, if you like, in the context of your audience, the academic mm-hmm. community at large, the alum and former Bristol University students and mm. benefactors and funders and the like who will obviously be paying money towards this North-South exchange as well as... Mm-hmm academic level, I mean, sort of senior management experience. What does Mamokheti Pakeng want to bring after a year of this program so that UCT can not just be number one on the continent, but start challenging in breaking the top 100, top 50 globally? You know, I mean, obviously to be more stronger collaborations. I mean, we, we have already, even before I start with this fellowship, started talking about, uh, started uh, sort of a collaboration in mathematics education. Um, and so my hope is that that becomes stronger. Certainly in terms of education, I would like that to be to be stronger uh, because that's uh, an area of need for us in South Africa. Um, and, and, and I think the more we strengthen that scholarship, that will be great. I, 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 would, I hope to bring more of a... Um, of African perspective to um, uh, analysis that uh, is done by colleagues in the in the uh, at the University of Bristol, to you know whether it's in the area of education or in other areas of study. I hope I hope that I'll be able to bring an African perspective to Fantastic. some of those conversations that they'll be doing because it is not not everyone asks the same questions. And it's our lived experiences and that, you know, that are always in the foreground mm-hmm. of what bothers us as scholars. And so the questions that I would ask are not always the same questions that they would ask. And I hope that my presence there, uh, when, when I ultimately go face to face, because I'm going to be spending a lot of time here and working with them online. Um, yeah. And I hope that that engagement brings strengthens their perspective, uh, uh, African perspective in terms of how they look. Because uh, Britain is very uh, multicultural. Mm. Um, and Bristol, being the kind of university that it is, re- recruits and attracts students from all over the world. Um, and African students, from whether they're from the Caribbean or from the continent, basically from the diaspora, you, we find a lot of, they will be there, there's a lot of them at, at Bristol. And sure. that, so this perspective will be um, uh, very useful. Uh, the last time I was there, um, uh, my 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 um, engagements were were really flooded with uh, students because that's something that they don't necessarily get from uh, from their academics. Sure. One quick question. I'm going to say something, mm-hmm. and you will make of this what you will. 
when they go low, we go high. You know who said that and you know when she said it. What do you make of those who go low within the UCT community? Keep asking questions of Mamukheti Pakeng. You've got 15 seconds and I will what? cut you. 15, 14. Say, ask the question again. Ask the question what again. do you make of those who keep uh. questioning you despite mm. what it is that you keep doing? You know, within you the know university the, the community policy. itself. You know, the university, the, this is a strong university. And so it attracts strengths of many different kinds. And the tallest tree catches the, the, the harshest wind. So, so if you are going to be the tall tree, you've got to expect the wind. Okay, you I know? got you, Prof. And, and the wind is important. I got you, loud and clear. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank the tall you. poppy syndrome Thank clearly doesn't much. work with you. Professor Mamukheti <laughs> Pakeng, UCT Vice Chancellor. UCT of Bristol's first Bristol illustrious visiting Professor BIVP. Thank you so much for your time. After this very short break, Mr. Rashid Sidat, Executive Director of Gauteng City Region Observatory.